Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast, where the hot stove is actually kind of hot, believe it or not. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here once again by Drew Silva, and we're here to break down the latest off-season headlines, and thankfully we've got a lot to talk about this week, Drew. Yeah, it feels like a um, like a normal off-season. Yeah, for real. This is like throwback edition. I know. I, I love it, and yeah, there's like legitimate money being thrown around. When we did our, our hot stove preview, we were um, kind of tepid about throwing out big money for guys like Mike Moustakis, who we'll talk about. He got a nice deal. Um, Cole Hamill's got a nice, you know, average annual value one year deal with Zach Wheeler. We, we thought that his market would, would be uh, healthy, um, but he definitely got paid too. And yeah, it looks like a lot of guys are going to get the money they deserve this off season, which is good to see. Right, and and just before starting the show, I, I saw a report from uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN saying the Yankees have made Garrett Cole their top priority, and they have ownership uh, approval to offer him a record contract. So that's setting up an interesting winter meetings, uh, which again, like we haven't really seen that in a couple of years either. Um, next week, um, and it's in San Diego, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Steven Strasburg's uh, hometown. Um, so I'm sure we'll hear plenty about Strasburg as well uh, as we move along here because a lot of the starting pitchers are, are coming off the board at this point. Um, so all eyes will be on Cole and Strasburg next week, I think. Yep, and there's a report that uh, Madison Bumgarner might have a deal in place before those winter meetings start. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I should say at the top of the show that I, I had my – wisdom teeth removed on monday and I'm, I'm a little i'm still kind of in recovery mode uh, we're rec- recording this on thursday night so if i sound like um like kanye west through the wire or something <laughs> um that's what's going on well i have to say i kind of feel like i'm in a fog or maybe dreaming because the mets it seems may have a new owner uh soon uh steve cohen he's a hedge fund billionaire uh, set to buy a majority share in the Mets. Um, the interesting part about the announcement from the Mets is that Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon will retain their titles for five years. Uh, so this could be 2024 before there's a full switchover uh, and Cohen would be the control person. That's definitely a little strange arrangement, which I think is only appropriate for the Mets because everything they do is is strange. Um, but Cohen not without controversy as, as a hedge fund guy. There's been much discussed about his past over the, next, over the past day or so, but 
His net worth is $9.2 billion, um, which would make him the richest individual owner in all of Major League Baseball. So this could be a huge game changer. It's just a matter of when his money will actually be uh, a factor in the in the Mets budget. I wouldn't bank on it being this offseason, uh, but certainly something to, to watch moving forward and giving Mets fans some hope after really a rough past 10 years not really treating uh, the franchise as a major market franchise. There's no reason they shouldn't be bidding up there with the Yankees and the Red Sox and teams like Dodgers for top free agents. Yeah, Steve Cohen's a guy who buys art pieces for $150 million. Yes. So you could see him wanting to invest that kind of money in players too. And if you're a Mets fan, that's what you dream of anyway. Yeah, so we're going to get into these headlines and appropriately enough, a player leaving the Mets, uh, Zach Wheeler, uh, reportedly getting a five-year, $118 million deal with the Phillies. Uh, Mark Kerrig of The Athletic and Jeff Passan of ESPN passing along the info there uh, was reported on Wednesday. Uh, the, I'd say the closest comparison uh, as far as this deal is the deal Patrick Corbin got last offseason, six years, $140 million, really after Corbin had you know, one really great season. Um, and Wheeler, a guy who had all sorts of health problems, missed 2015 and 2016 uh, after Tommy John surgery and some subsequent setbacks, had a bit of a shaky return in 2017, but he's been really good over the past two years. 3.65 ERA and 60 starts, just about a strikeout per inning with good control, throwing harder than ever before. But, um, you know, I've watched his whole career since he came over from the Giants and the Carlos Beltran deal. And he's really just evolved as a pitcher, uh, much more composed and, and certainly efficient pitching deeper into games. So uh, certainly has that top of the rotation potential. And I think that's what the Phillies are banking on here. And I think there's something to that as far as, you know, getting a better catcher behind the plate, better defense. So certainly something to watch uh, there in Philadelphia. Uh, we heard after the Phillies, uh, you know, reportedly made the signing that the White Sox had a higher offer, uh, but it was close enough that Wheeler opted to take the Phillies deal in part because his wife is from New Jersey, so that proximity really mattered. Uh, plenty of teams in the mix here. Um, things really came together quickly with his market. The Angels, the Blue Jays, the Twins, uh, the Yankees were mentioned, the Astros, uh, the Rangers as well, but the Mets never really had any, any interest in bringing him back. Uh, of course, they acquired Marcus Stroman from the Blue Jays, at the July uh, 31st trade deadline uh, this past season. So they viewed Stroman as the replacement uh, for Wheeler, the built-in replacement there. So they'll get a compensatory draft pick since uh, Wheeler was given a qualifying offer and rejected. So now the Mets are really in a position where they're looking for you know a fifth starter. Uh, they've been connected to Rick Porcello this week, I believe I heard, which isn't really inspiring. But oh. <laughs> uh, it's a little disappointing to see Wheeler go to a division rival, I think. Yeah, the, the Reds were in that mix, too. I think right, it, it right. sounds like the Reds, White Sox, and Phillies were the, were the finalists. Um, and we'll get more into the Reds later on the show. They're, they're interesting again, which is, which is, I guess, good to see. Yeah, um, They're not tanking. Uh, they're not standing pat. They're trying to improve their team. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on to uh, Cole Hamels. He found a new home on Wednesday, uh, agreeing to a one-year $18 million free agent contract with the Braves. Um, so he did not get a qualifying offer from the Cubs, but essentially signed for qualifying offer money. Mm. Um,
Freak injury is to blame for some of that. Um, he did have a 2.84 ERA as of August 7th. Um, that number eventually rose to 3.81 by the end of the year. He's lost some velocity on his fastball, obviously, as he moves closer uh, to the other side of age 35. But his changeup remains an excellent out pitch, and he's a really good fit on paper for the Braves' young pitching staff. You slot him in behind Mike Soroka and Mike Fultonevich and Max Freed. Um, he managed over a strikeout per inning in 2019. I think he can keep that up um, with an ERA probably again in like the mid to high threes, maybe the low fours. Good pot- potential for wins, I think, on a talented Braves team. Uh, Hamels went 13th or went in the 13th round of uh, a mock draft I did last month. That pitchers list expert mock draft that we discussed on a previous episode. Right. Um, I, that might be a little early, but you know, right there in like the middle rounds, mid to late rounds, seems seems about right for where he should be taken next spring. That draft was heavy on on high level pitchers going early, um, so so he kind of got a, a nudge there. But I, I like the fit on paper. I think Hamels is still an effective pitcher and, and probably could be for another couple of years. So that Braves rotation: Hamels joining Soroka, Max Freed, Mike Fultonevich. Um, after that, it's kind of unknown. I. I seen a plenty of Braves fans still wishing they can get uh, Madison Bumgarner. We'll see if that comes together, but the Braves have, have a lot of young pitching even still. Kyle Wright, uh, Bryce Wilson, uh, Tuki Toussaint still there as well. Sean Newcomb pitched in the bullpen uh, for the bulk of this season, but uh, he could eventually move back into the rotation too, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, Hamill's influence on these young left-handers uh, Freed and Newcomb, you know, if they take another step forward, Freed was great this year. Uh, Newcomb has, he generally, you know, he was bumped out of the rotation and to move to the bullpen, but had a pretty good 2018 superficially, but, uh, still has some work to do with his control. So, uh, it should be interesting to see the influence there as far as Hamels, as you said, on the young pitching staff. Um, so the Orioles, uh, were active, uh, for a couple of reasons this week, but, uh, one was trading Dylan Bundy, to the Angels, another pitcher on the move. Uh, and the Orioles are getting four prospects, uh, all right-handed pitchers. It seems like a lot, four pitchers, but I don't know if any of them are really, you know, top-tier prospects here. Kyle Bradish, Zach Peake, uh, Isaac Matson, and Kyle Brinovich. Uh, Bundy, of course, had all sorts of physical issues after his MLB debut in 2012. You know, an all-world prospect, heavy expectations there, but... He's managed to make at least 28 starts in each of the last three seasons. The results haven't really been there, though. Um, after posting a 5.45 ERA in 2018, he had a 4.79 ERA over 30 starts this year. The big issue, the home run ball. He gave up a league-leading 41 bombs in 2018 and 29 and 161 in two-thirds innings this year. Of course, pitching in Camden Yards and the other AL East ballparks, no walk in the park. Definitely a tough way to live, so... I think there's room for optimism with the change in scenery there to the Angels. Uh, Bundy's been right around a strikeout per inning over the past two seasons with decent enough control. I mean, if you're looking like K per nine and walks per nine, it's it's like nine and three. So that's not, not too bad at all. Um, and there's already been some talk about the Angels trying to switch up Bundy's pitch mix, uh, perhaps ditching the four-seamer, uh, upping the usage of his sinker and his other secondary pitches. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, the Angels have him under team control for another couple of seasons. So there's that as well. Um, I think he'll be looked at as you know a mid-rotation, back-end rotation guy there. The, An- the Angels will get Shohei Otani uh, back in 2020 from Tommy John surgery, adding him to Andrew Heaney, 
uh, Griffin Canning, uh, two pretty solid arms. So uh, Bundy will fit in the middle there. I think the Angels would be a lot more interesting if they signed Garrett Cole. I'm sure we'll hear plenty about that uh, in the coming days, and that remains uh, a possibility. Yeah, I think Bundy's a guy that, that could really benefit from a change of scenery. He's He just is a different pitcher than he was when he was this uber prospect for the Orioles. Um, I mean, when he came up, he was averaging – 94 miles per hour with his fastball. It's down to 91.2 now. He should become more of a junk baller, honestly. Yeah. Um, he shouldn't shouldn't be so fastball heavy. He has a good slider and a good changeup yeah, and a pretty really good does. curve. Yep. Um, so I, I think with with maybe a different organization taking a different a fresh set of eyes on that arsenal, I think maybe he could find some new life and I actually carve out a really nice major league career. I was hoping the Mets would be in the middle of that and take a chance on him as their fifth starter and, and see where that goes. So I think the angels were, were pretty smart here. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's the kind of move that the angels should be making. Um, might, might as well take a flyer on a guy like that. Who's, who's at least going to eat some innings. Yeah. I mean, um, I would take Bundy over signing Trevor Cahill and Matt Harvey, which they did last off season. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so this deal was agreed to on Monday and then finalized Thursday. The reds have signed Mike Moustakis to a four year, $64 million contract with a $20 million club option for 2024. Um, so after two off seasons in a row of, of him having to settle for one year deals, he finally gets something long-term here from Cincinnati uh, and deservedly. So after he put up a 845 OPS with 35 home runs, 30 doubles and 87 RBIs for the Brewers in 2019. Um, it looks like he's primarily going to play second base in Cincinnati. Uh, they'll keep Eugenio Suarez at third base and then, Freddie Galvis or maybe Didi Gregorius at shortstop. Uh, the Reds are known to have serious free agent interest in Gregorius. I think his market could could take shape at the winter meeting next week in San Diego. Um, Moustakis got some experience at second base with Milwaukee this past summer, played 47 games there, and really wasn't terrible. Um, he's not going to be the rangiest second baseman, kind of a stocky guy, but he'll make the plays he's supposed to make and I mean, should provide a huge boost offensively at that position for the Reds from what they got last year. I think second base has really changed now, and and with shifts and stuff like that, yeah. I think you can you can get away with it. It's obviously not ideal, but I think it's a little different now than than in the past. Yep, um, and you got to love that bat at Great American Ballpark. Oh yeah, um, probably hits cleanup on a regular basis behind Joey Votto and Suarez. Um, like I said at the top of the show, you know, props again to, to the Reds for being an interesting team, making moves to try to improve rather than, you know, t- flat out tanking like many others in their position. And I don't think they're done either. Um, they were connected to Zach Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been connected to Madison Bumgarner, Didi Gregorius, like I mentioned. There's talk of Marcelo Zuna interest. Um, it doesn't look like the Cubs and Cardinals are going to do a whole lot of upgrading this offseason if you believe what their GMs are saying at the moment. And, and the Brewers are going to have to get creative or really extend their payroll in a big way if they want to improve their pitching staff. So the door may be kind of open somewhat at the top of the National League Central. Yeah, it certainly seems so. Uh, So the non-tender deadline uh, was earlier this week. And, you know, for a couple of years there, it got really boring, (laughs) uh, the non-tender deadline, so much that I stopped writing a, a yearly column about it. I used to run down you know, some of the most likely candidates to be non-tendered and some possible destinations for them. But I really should have done one this year because there's a ton of notable names who hit free agency. Uh, the A's let go Blake Trinan, the Phillies with Cesar Hernandez and Michael Franco. 
the Brewers with Travis Shaw, the Mariners with Domingo Santana, the Twins with CJ Crone, the Reds cut Jose Peraza loose. Um, that's just to name a few. Kevin Gosman, Aaron Sanchez, Addison Russell, Junior Guerra, Jimmy Nelson, Kevin Pillar, Taewon Walker, the list goes on and on. But I think the big name that everyone's paying attention to right now is Blake Trinan, um, especially with the relief market being super thin. Uh, Will Smith signed with the Braves two weeks ago, and uh, Drew Pomeranz uh, landed with the Padres last week. Um, so that doesn't leave a lot out there in free agency. Really, it's it's kind of crazy. I you know Will Harris, Daniel Hudson, maybe you uh, go for a rebound with Dylan Batances, but there's just really not a lot of quality out there. Um, but you can understand why the A's cut training loose. Uh, of course, had that historic 2018, but really struggled uh, this past season. 4.91 ERA, also missed some time with injury. Uh, he was likely going to fetch about eight million uh, via arbitration, and you know, with the emergence of Liam Hendricks in the in the closer role there, um, you know, they viewed him as expendable. Um, so they were un- uncomfortable with that figure, and also as a figure, a team didn't want to give up in a trade in addition to giving up a player to get him. So uh, that's where we are right now, um, and I think even coming off a bad year, he's I I, I think I'd put him at the top of the free agent relievers, honestly. He's the most interesting upside guy. I think maybe you could say Batances as well. It's probably between those two. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was dominant in 2018. Uh, The Yankees expressed some trade interest in him before uh, the A's non-tendered him. The Dodgers are reported to have interest. The Dodgers would make a ton of sense. Yeah, they need something Um, there. Yeah, yeah, especially with Jansen, you know, kind of losing it a little bit, not in his elite form anymore. Um, you know, what do they have there? Joe Kelly in the eighth? Inning? I mean, they need some help there. So I think that would make plenty of sense. Yeah, and if it's going to be on a one-year deal, like money shouldn't even matter to the Dodgers in that scenario. Yeah, just, almost just, certain. I'd be shocked if he signed a multi-year contract. I think it yeah. makes all the sense in the world for him to do a you know, pillow contract and, and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully bounce back and, and get back on the market uh, next offseason. Yep. Uh, ho- hopefully he is signed somewhere before uh, we have to write the – bullpen report for the draft guy <laughs> yes um, <laughs> that's a good but, reminder but I, we're working on our annual road world magazine right now and you know our deadline is right around the holidays and it'll be out in stores and in, in the first week of february i believe so uh this is crunch time for us uh i haven't shaved in a week and a half so it's you know it's it's definitely uh crunch time right now yeah i, I timed the wisdom up teeth operation poorly i wanted to get it done before the winter meetings but i'm losing crucial time to write profiles and yeah. i want to see i want to see any of the profiles you wrote under your pain meds if i can i haven't written any that's okay. the problem <laughs> <All right. laughs> i'm gonna be staying in all weekend um so uh the marlins made a couple of intriguing additions on monday around the non-tender deadline they acquired infielder jonathan vr from the orioles for pitching prospect easton lucas and they also picked up first baseman Jesus Aguilar on a waiver claim from the Rays. Uh, VR is the big headliner for us, uh, being that this is a fantasy baseball podcast. He put up 24 home runs and 40 stolen bases over 162 games with the Orioles in 2019. Also had 111 runs scored and 73 RBIs. A very valuable fantasy commodity, um, eligible at both second base and shortstop. One of only three players in the majors to reach 40 steals last year. Uh, Malik Smith and Edelberto Mondesi were, were the others. The Orioles trading VR was all about saving money. 
Uh, he's expected to make around $10.4 million in 2020. That'll be his final year of salary arbitration. He's certainly worth that salary uh, to the Orioles and really any other team, but yeah. there's a big tanking operation going on right now in Baltimore, so they shipped him off to Miami, and it seems like he'll probably be midseason trade bait there, possibly even like they shop him around in the spring. Um, but whatever the case, he offers unique upside and fantasy with his speed and a bit of power. Um, the Marlins are moving the fences in at Marlins Park in, in center field and right center field. I believe it's going to be five feet in direct center and then seven feet in right center. Um, so that that's that's notable. They also moved the fences in in 2016 and I believe lowered the left field fence. So they're making that a, a more hitter friendly ballpark than it was. Um, so I, I think I mean, I don't know, the change in dimensions helps him a bit on the home run front going from Canman Yards to to Marlins Park is still going to probably bring that home run total down. Uh, 2019 was his first 20 homer season, um, but he did hit 19 for the Brewers back in 2016 and is usually in the double digits in that category. Uh, but you draft VR mostly for his speed and for his lineup spot. Uh, he batted leadoff for Baltimore pretty much the entire 2019 season. He should do the same with the Marlins at least to begin the 2020 campaign. Um, he went near the top of the third round in, in that pitcher's list experts mock draft I was involved in last month. Um, that might be a little high. or, or I don't know. I, I think he's a top 40 guy, though, um, with the ability to steal 40 bases and maybe get you 20 homers. And if he's hitting leadoff, then you're, you're expecting a lot of runs scored. Um, even though he's he's you know going to a bad team, he came from a really bad team. Um, the Marlins could be a somewhat interesting, probably not next year. I, th- I think that they're pitchers we like, but I don't know about that lineup. The thing about that's interesting with VR, I think makes him even more attractive is uh, they said that he'll most likely uh, split time between third base and the outfield during spring training um, before they make a decision on where he's going to play. Um, in other words, that means they want to stick with Isan Diaz at, at second base. Uh, he's viewed as the future there. He really struggles in his debut last year, but uh, he's an important piece for him. So uh, for them rather. So, you know, if VR can add third base eligibility to what he already has, to me, that makes him all the more interesting. Yeah. Third base, shortstop, second base, and maybe the outfield. Maybe the outfield too. Um, yeah. And a guy who's going to maybe steal your 40 bases. That's, that's very valuable in, in this era of fantasy baseball. For sure. Um, and then as for Jesus Aguilar, he was designated for assignment by Tampa Bay. On November 27th, after batting just 236 with a 714 OPS and 12 home runs in 2019, that was between Milwaukee and Tampa Bay. Um, we all know about that great 2018. He had 890 OPS, 35 home runs, and 108 RBIs. I think that will prove to be kind of a career outlier for him. Um, but he should see everyday playing time at first base in Miami, at least for the first couple months of the season. That helps the cause for a possible bounce back. Uh, rather than him being a platoon guy for a team like the Rays. Uh, and he'll have a better spot in the lineup there than he would with many other clubs. So like maybe a late round flyer in drafts next spring or, or like a waiver guy you pick up if he gets off to a hot start in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think the Marlins offense, I mean, they were terrible this year, the the worst in the National League. Um, but adding some interesting pieces here, certainly from a fantasy perspective, but Um, You know, Garrett Cooper probably will be out in the outfield. Um, Brian Anderson could play third base or he might be in the outfield depending on uh, on where VR plays. So 
they have some bats that I'm at least vaguely interesting interested in from a fantasy perspective. Of course, if VR will go off early, um, but they could have some late round guys to to keep an eye on too. Jorge Alfaro, uh, pretty decent fantasy catcher too. Yep. So uh, Jerickson Profar, uh, who was a non tender candidate for the A's, and as opposed to Blake Trinan, the A's were able to find a trade partner for him. They they shipped him to the Padres for catcher Austin Allen and a player to be named later. Uh, Profar really put himself back on the map in 2018 uh, with the Rangers after a brutal string of injuries, was traded to the A's last offseason and, and really struggled this past season. Uh, hit just 218 with a 711 OPS over 139 games. That amounts to a 90 OPS plus, so you know, really below average as a contributor with the bat. In addition to some real struggles in the field, had a case of the yips, like it was it was pretty bad, um, but now he's reunited with A.J. Preller and Jace Tingler, the new manager there uh, in San Diego, two people who know him very well. Uh, they were together in Texas, so maybe that's just narrative, but it sounds like the Padres have every intention of playing him at second base. Of course, they have a hole there now following the Luis Arias trade with the Brewers. Um, that was an interesting one, kind of a, a prospect challenge trade, which we love to see. Um Grisham going back uh, to the Brewers in that in that deal. So, uh, or Grisham going to the Padres in that deal. Uh, Trent Grisham, who, who's someone I, I really like for for 2020 as a sleeper. Um, as for Austin, he put up huge numbers in AAA last year. Hit 330, 21 homers in just 67 games. Had a 1042 OPS as well. Um, but context matters. Was in the Pacific Coast League with that supercharged MLB baseball. Uh, but still, you have to like that potential. Austin really didn't do anything with the Padres this season. Uh, just 71 plate appearances, but hit 215 with zero homers. But it sounds like he could serve as Sean Murphy's backup in 2020. Uh, Sean Murphy, someone I like, uh, probably just yeah. two catcher leagues to begin with uh, in mixed leagues this year. But I think he's definitely someone to watch. And, you know, Austin could be a nice compliment there. Yeah, Austin Allen went to the high school that I went to. Oh, so. really? Cool. Yeah. I think he's the first uh, baseball player to make the majors from it's called Chaminade in, in St. Louis. It's more of a basketball school. Right. Uh, yeah. I've heard Jason you mention Tatum. some of the yeah, yeah. Tatum coming from there. Bradley right. Beal, David Lee. Right. Um, but anyway, that's a cool little side note that everyone cares about. Yeah, so we'll have, um, we'll have regular Austin Allen updates. Probably. We could probably, he played baseball with my little brother. Oh, um, cool. So maybe we could, we could, we could pull, he, he can be uh, the official catcher of the Roto world baseball. podcast. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. I'll work on that. Um, the, the Brewers, speaking of catchers, the Brewers watched Yasmani Grandal, their all-star catcher from 2019, land a big four-year, $73 million deal from the White Sox last month and then made a move to replace him on Thursday morning, acquiring Omar Narvaez from the Mariners for minor league right-hander Adam Hill and a competitive balance round B selection in the 2020 MLB draft. Um, that that draft pick is really the headliner here for Seattle. It's the 71st overall pick right now. Um, it'll likely be nudged up a few spots into the to the 60s due to draft forfeitures for free agents who rejected qualifying offers. Um, Hill's a, a guy who was in low A ball, a 22 year old in low A ball. Had some pretty good numbers there, but not really a prospect. Um, as for Narvaez, uh, he ranked as one of the worst defensive catchers in baseball in 2019 especially in pitch framing, which is something that Grandal excels at. Um, but he did post career highs in OPS, 813, and home runs with 22. 
the problem is the batted ball data for Narvaez does suggest that he, he was already due for regression in Seattle. Uh, he doesn't make much hard contact. Moving from pitcher-friendly T-Mobile Park in Seattle to the more power-friendly Miller Park in Milwaukee could help somewhat. But I think in general, the Brewers are probably going to take a big step back behind the plate next season. Granted, they that was going to be the case probably no matter what, unless they wanted to do a long-term deal with Grandal or trade for a top catcher. Um, I think Narvaez can still be like a top 10 fantasy catcher again in 2020. He was that in 2019, uh, but it could be borderline. Um, I think after like the top seven guys, it, it, it's all pretty borderline. Yeah. Um, and I, I do worry about his, his defense um, and how it might affect some of the Brewers pitchers. Um, will they all like suddenly want Manny Pena as, as their personal catcher? Right. Um, he's a much better defender. I think that could wind up being more of a platoon uh, than Narvaez playing as much as Grandal did. Yeah, it could um, be closer to like an even split, maybe with Pete. Yeah, which I, isn't yeah. which isn't a great thing either for for the Brewers. They're, how they retool is going to be uh, pretty interesting this off season. Yeah, I mean Nar- Narvaez is arbitration eligible for the first time this winter. He'll be under the Brewers' control through 2022. We'll see if he can make improvements. I, I just I, the peripherals on him are not very exciting even though you know you look at the career t- trajectory it looks pretty good he had a pretty good ops in in 2018 in a limited role and then you know 2019 was kind of his breakout year and he's 27 years old but um i'm just i'm not really a believer so just talking about the brewers in general it looks like uh, luis urias is going to play shortstop there uh following the trade of course they have keston Hira for second base uh, so that means orlando arcia is probably on the outs there i mean i'm sure they'll keep him around as know backup middle infielder or something like that but he was Arcia was someone who was a really highly touted prospect and I, I remember a couple off seasons ago or maybe it was last offseason 2018 offseason he hit like three home runs in the playoffs and people are like oh he's finally arrived <laughs> offensively but um as we I mean Arias hasn't really hit the majors yet either which is interesting but um at least that seems to be the plan right now um and the other interesting part about this is Tom Murphy Looks like he'll be the primary catcher there in Seattle, which he should be. Uh, I think he's earned it uh, both offensively and defensively this year. And, you know, the Rockies have to be kicking themselves for letting him go. Um, And he was even with the Giants briefly, I think, this past spring before landing with the Mariners. So uh, that's pretty interesting, too. So uh, before we started this show, I I just saw this come across. uh, Deal pending a physical Michael Pineda reportedly headed back to the Twins on a two-year, $20 million contract. Dan Hayes of The Athletic was on that, and as well as Pierre Nojame of Fox 9, Fox 9 in Minneapolis, a local reporter there, uh, with the information. Pineda, of course, still serving out a 60-game PED suspension, uh, was reduced from 80 games. Uh, so he's going to miss the first five weeks of the 2020 season. Uh, so we're talking about early May that he would arrive, but you look at uh, the numbers this past season, he was, I think he was sneaky good. He was a little shaky over the first month or so, but after that was really good. Overall numbers, 401 ERA with 140 strikeouts, 28 walks, and 146 innings. Of course, the peripherals have always been really good with Pineda. Uh, it's just been the home run ball that's been the issue. But, you know, for a team uh, like the Twins, who have been rumored for all sorts of starting pitching, Zach Wheeler, Madison Baumgartner, guys like that, uh, to get Pineda back as kind of a stabilizing force in the middle of that rotation, I think is really good. I think they really need to make a move for a Bumgarner. There's really not much out there uh, beyond that, I think, at this point that could really move the needle. 
so we'll have to continue to watch that. But uh, at least they get Panina back. I think that's a really solid deal. Yeah, he had a two nine six ERA and eighty seven strikeouts in his final eighty two innings before the suspension. Um, maybe the PEDs played a role in that, but uh, yeah. I, I, I he was in a groove, and I, I think that's a, a pretty cheap deal for for them. He, he'll miss the first five weeks of the season or yeah. the first thirty nine games or something. Um, but yeah, worthwhile move for the Twins who who need some depth in the rotation for sure. Yeah, and the headline of the day: the Mets traded for Jake Marisnik from the Astros. But, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, platoon center fielder. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, so, it'll be it'll be a good winter meetings though. I, I think it'll be. I think there'll be a lot of moves. I think even one of those top Boris clients might sign, like Strasburg, Rendon, or Cole. I, I really think that might happen. So we'll be back next week to break down everything happening from the winter meetings in in San Diego. Uh, basically, a wrap up show of the week. Uh, if you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate and review. Let us know that you're listening this offseason and you find it useful. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, until next time, take care. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short, Drew, Drew Silve, and we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.